Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad you're joining me today on this uh, this frigid day where uh, there's so much ice out, out there. Wherever you're joining me from, I know it's a lot colder today than, uh, than we've experienced in a while. And so I hope you're staying warm and so I today am doing this from uh, from my home instead of um, up at the office. It is February 1st, so we're entering a new month, and we've made it through the first month of 2023 at the Connection Church. We've just been through a 23-day, uh, 23 days of fasting and prayer, and uh, God has just really worked in our lives through this. I can't wait to see what's uh, what's about to happen and what God's going to do, but uh, but if you've been joining us for this fast, then uh, then and you made it all the way through, congratulations! Uh, that's that's a that's really incredible. Um, tonight we were going to have night of worship at uh, at the Connection Church in Buda, and uh, we're not going to be able to do that. So I'm hoping today uh, that maybe we have some more people uh, log on with with us for our study today. As we are uh, getting into God's word, we're getting God's word into our lives so we can get it out of our lives into the world around us. And we are walking through, we've started a new study this year through the book of Acts. And so we're in Acts chapter 2 today. And I want to begin by talking with you about this recent study from the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University that found that out of about 176 million Christians, people who identify as a Christian, more than half of them do not believe the Holy Spirit exists. That's mind-blowing. Let me tell you more about this study. The study from the Arizona College was released as part of the American Worldview Inventory, an annual survey that looks at the worldview of Americans. And according to this study... A majority of America's self-identified Christians, people who say, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, I believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, he's the creator of the universe, and Jesus uh, lived and died and rose again, Uh, but over half of them do not believe in some major teachings of the Bible, including the existence of the Holy Spirit, and only about 6% 6% of these Christians actually hold a biblical worldview. Now, that is um, shocking, saddening, surprising. This is not good. <laughs> uh, that's why we're doing studies like this. We want to get you in grounded in the Word of God so that you know what the Bible actually teaches, and you can 
uh, orient your life around the truth of the Word of God. Uh, a majority also said they believe that you know, all religious faiths serve equal value in all of this. But um, so it goes on. Let's see. Um, some 62% of self-identified born-again Christians said the Holy Spirit is not real, that the Holy Spirit is simply a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. Um, so we that is that is bad. <laughs> that is bad news. Um, that that goes flies in the face of uh, biblical truth. And um, I'm not surprised, I suppose, because the the reality is there are a lot of churches. Churches take uh, pretty extreme positions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And in the church tradition that I grew up in, there was kind of this fear of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's kind of spooky. And, uh, and, and so when we would sing hymns, you know, you'd have these these great hymns of the faith. And typically speaking, verse one is about God the Father. Verse two is about Jesus Christ, his only son. And verse three was about the Holy Spirit. And then verse four, kind of bring them all together. And we would typically skip that verse, the third verse on the Holy Spirit. Um, and people, uh, including pastors, would would say, you know, it's not good to raise your hands in church. You're getting a little excited here. You're getting a little carried away. Uh, so the Holy Spirit was always sort of avoided like your weird uncle at a family reunion when you're like, you know, I know he's here, but it would be best if he just sort of stayed way over there. And, um, you know, if we avoid talking about the Holy Spirit, it's no wonder that people are denying the existence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but then when I was in high school, my best friend who had a tremendous influence on my life spiritually, he was uh, a Pentecostal guy and he uh, invited me to some of his church services. And, and I saw, you know, people were, it was like hot and sweaty and people were screaming and falling on the floor. And it was a little weird. And so it seems like when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are these extreme responses where people either fully embrace him or they fully reject him. And our position when it comes to the Holy Spirit should not be a lukewarm, middle-of-the-road approach where we find this perfect balance and we have just enough of the Holy Spirit. The reality is you can't get too much of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to have all of the Holy Spirit that we can uh, have in our lives, and we want the Holy Spirit to have every part of us that He can. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't want to be balanced. We want to be biblical. We've got to be biblical. And I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit, and you shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy God's Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God to move and work in my life and in our church in, in ways that are unexplainable, that we can't we can't explain other than a move of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to know Him better and be closer to Him, and Him to be closer in my life and in your life than ever before. So today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, just verses 1 through 4, and we're going to be talking about one of the most uh, 
powerful, important events in all of history. We know when you think of these huge events in history and um, the most important events in history are contained in the Word of God, in the Bible, and you've got creation, and you've got uh, the life of Jesus, and you've got his death on the cross and his resurrection. And then right up there, um, one of the most important events is what we read about in Acts chapter 2. This is on the day of Pentecost. And this event was so important because this was the moment the Holy Spirit uh, showed up in power and moved. And this was the birth of the church. This was the start of the church, what we're looking at today. And all the believers were filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then at that point gifted them and empowered them and equipped them to go out boldly to tell everybody about Jesus, what he had done, and the difference that he can make in people's lives. So let's read Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll spend the rest of the time uh, unpacking this. So if you've got your Bible, open up your Bible. If you've got some, something to take notes with, then, um, then you can write some things down. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all of the, the believers at that time were together in one room. Suddenly, suddenly, okay, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, so what was happening was Jesus had prepared the disciples for this moment, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had told his disciples to wait there in Jerusalem until they were filled with power and the Holy Spirit uh, entered into their lives. But this was not the first appearance of the Holy Spirit. Just like God is eternal, he had no beginning, he, had, he has no end. Jesus Christ, his son, eternal, no beginning, no end. He was there with God at creation. The Holy Spirit also uh, is eternal, meaning no beginning, no end. Um, and, and so the Holy Spirit uh, is talked about and prophesied about uh, in the Old Testament. In fact, if you look all the way back to, to Genesis and at creation, where the Spirit of God is moving over the waters, we, that's the first mention of God's uh, Spirit. But then uh, in Joel, uh, the prophet Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, he prophesied this. He said, then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Um, so so it doesn't matter if you're a, a man or a woman, all of us have, receive the same spirit. And so we see uh, the wind, this picture of the wind and the Hebrew word for wind is ruach, which... Uh, which kind of sounds like the wind. Um, it's um, and when the Holy Spirit was this picture to uh, the 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 Hebrew people, the, the, this image of the wind. And so when 
the Lord spoke to Ezekiel uh, in the Valley of Dry Bones in this vision that he had um, in Ezekiel 37, 9. He told, uh, God told the prophet to prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these, these slain that they may live. And the dry bones symbolize the defeated and depressed and dejected people of God who were in Israel, or in exile, uh, out of Israel at that time, and they needed God's spirit to come into them and breathe new life into them. And then in the Gospels, John the Baptist it says in Matthew 3.11, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we see the fire and the wind, and they go together. Um, and, and John explained this. He said that the new fire from heaven uh, in Luke 3.17, that his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will gather thoroughly, clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. We see the fire and the wind. Jesus talked throughout the Gospels about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then 10 days after Jesus ascended and after the disciples intently, fervently got together and prayed, that's when this moment happened. Um, and so when we look at the, the word, you know, that, that they were baptized um, in the spirit, um, we see that happen at Pentecost. At this moment, we see that happen later in Acts at Cornelius's house. The, that was with the, the Gentile people, those who were not Jewish people, and one time in the rest of the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So the Holy Spirit takes all believers in all places throughout the world and throughout history and places them into the body of Christ so that we are all one body. So what does this all mean? Let's get some applications just from this. Well, first, when you trust in Jesus, when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you are born again, and that's when the Holy Spirit enters your life. He fills himself into the life of the believer. And this is a personal experience in the life of the believer. And at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit and you get all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. But my question is always, does the Holy Spirit get all of you? Have you turned your full life over to him? Because there are places in our life, you know, I like to picture it like rooms in our heart and in our life. And, you know, we've got that closet over there where we put, um, you know, something that we want to hold on to. We say, no, don't go in there. That's mine. I'm going to clean that up later. Uh, stay out of there. And so the Christian life many times or daily, it can be a process of opening up parts of our heart and our life and saying, God, fill me with your spirit. And, and I'm turning this part of my life over to you. And through this personal experience of receiving the Holy Spirit, you are placed into the body 
of Christ, and that is the church. You are part of a uh, church. So it's not just um, it's not just you personally, but it's all of us together that we're counted as part of God's forever family, as a member of the body. And in this sense, you know, we have the experience of being filled with God's spirit, but also it's not just experiential. It's not just a feeling. It is a fact. It is a fact that you are placed, you were adopted, you were given uh, salvation, and you are a member of God's family. And then after you're saved and after you receive the Holy Spirit, and here's this is really important, in Ephesians 5.18, we read this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Okay, word to the wise there. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that be filled with the Holy Spirit um, is, is a continuous verb. And what it means, and every time I hear this verse, what I, the way I read it is, instead, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a constant allowing God's Spirit to fill us daily. It's not a one time for all. There's a sense that it's once for all. It's a seal. We're going to talk about that. Uh, But at the same time, it is a continual filling. Why do we need to always be filled daily? Because we leak. (laughs) We we, uh, constantly uh, are, are not, you know, we're, we're, allowing other things to fill those parts of our lives, right? And we've got to continually allow God's Spirit to, to fill and, and to be filled and to be filled and to be filled. And it's a constant refueling. And the reason it's a constant refueling is because I have a constant need in my life. And if I'm not filled on a regular basis, then it, it affects my life. I feel empty. So what do we see here? We see the Holy Spirit came at the right time and the right place. I mean, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. It was a, um, a Jewish celebration known as the day of first fruits. It was also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And it was this huge celebration where people would give thanks for the birth and the growth of the new crops. And they would remember the birth of their nation at Mount Sinai. And as I think about the the, the harvest and the, the birth of the nation, you know, it, it reminded me, uh, though it's not the same thing, it's kind of similar if you want to compare it to something, maybe our holiday of Thanksgiving, but it's much deeper because uh, this feast was fulfilled ultimately when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And that was the day when the church of God uh, the Christian church was born, and the day, in a sense, God's people were harvested. This marked a brand new beginning that happened 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the reason that the Holy Spirit came in the hearts of believers is, and we the reason we need God's Spirit is His Spirit sets us free from the bondage, our bondage to the world, to the powers of hell, to our own flesh and our own sinful nature. The Holy Spirit came to set us free in an even greater way than God's people had been set free in Exodus out of uh, slavery in, in Exodus. We are now 
set free, truly free. And so this was the birth of the church. Uh, there's this new people of God, um, and the church is is God's presence in the world today. We are his hands and his feet, and we are filled with power and purpose because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so um, Ephesians 1.13 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, check this out, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is a seal. You receive him when you believed, and without the Holy Spirit, you cannot uh, be a Christian. You can't be a spiritless Christian. You have the Holy Spirit, and he is a deposit guaranteeing the work will be finished in your life. And it, it's a guarantee that you're saved. He is a guarantee that you're saved and that you are a part of God's family. And he's not going to leave you. And this moment also at Pentecost was the start of a new law, the new rule and the new reign of God, where we are now guided by God's spirit who leads us to live our lives for Jesus and serve God with our lives. Romans 8, 2 says, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, there are these two laws. We're no longer under the old law, but now there's this new law of the Spirit. And God had planned and orchestrated this moment in such an incredible way, all the way from the beginning, and now this was the fulfillment of that. And, and as we see this, and we were looking at all that I've said in this sense, it's all on God. This was all the act and the work and the plan of God, but also it is the work of uh, believers through our obedience. See, the believers were in the right place at the right time because they obeyed God. They were doing what God wanted them to do. They were in the city of Jerusalem where Jesus told them to go and wait on the Holy Spirit to come and fill them. And that wasn't an easy assignment because Jerusalem was the very center of all the persecution and the opposition to Jesus that were they were hunting them down um, and and yet they went and they were obedient and listen if you want to experience God's direction in your life and his power in your life one thing is absolutely essential and that is to obey God to do what God tells you to do uh, and and um, if you want to receive the fullness of God's Spirit in your life, obedience is so vital uh, to do what He wants us to do. In fact, Jesus said this in John 14, 23. He said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. What a gift the Holy Spirit is in our life. Imagine that of all the places that the God of all creation, the God of the universe, could choose to dwell. He chooses to live inside you and me. And then moving on in verse uh, verses 2 through 4 of Acts chapter 2, we see what happens when the Holy Spirit, the impact of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these believers. First, it says suddenly. This happened all of a sudden. Um, and there was this loud sound that filled up the room. 
that came from God. This was not just a natural event. This was a supernatural moment. And it was a sound like this rushing wind. Like if you can imagine the noise of a hurricane or the noise of a tornado. And it filled up this whole house right where they were. And God uh, was causing a scene. Um, because this was going to attract the attention of these large crowds that would come to see what's happening so that the disciples could tell them about the good news of Jesus. But not only did people outside of that room need to know something was going on in there, but also the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they needed to know that something powerful was happening so that they would have the courage and the the passion, the boldness to get out there in front of those very same crowds who had not long ago shouted about Jesus, crucify him. And they'd been hunting them down as his followers, but they were there was a, such a marked change in their life. What caused that? It was the power of God's spirit in their life and they were obedient. Um, what happened? This tongue appeared and then split and divided and, and rested and landed on each of the disciples. And it says they were like fire. They weren't actual fire, but that it was a bright, lit, fire-like, whatever it was that was made by God to mark the moment of when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. Why fire? Well, fire purifies and refines and burns away all that shouldn't be there. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The Holy Spirit uh, refines us and purifies us. The Holy Spirit also, if you think about fire, what does fire represent? Passion, right? And love. Um, there's a fire that, that came into their life, a burning passion to, to love people like the disciples knew they were loved by God and they were chosen by God. And so they now had a new way of relating to people and a passion and a love for people that that propelled them and compelled them to go out and to share the news about Jesus. Okay, and listen, that was not just for them, but that is for us today. Um, now, now, even though this fire, you know, split into multiple parts and rested on each of the disciples, there there wasn't multiple spirits. It was God's singular Holy Spirit, okay? Um, in the shape of a tongue. What was that about? Well, this gift that they received would empower them to go and tell the world to speak up that God's message would burn in their hearts. And sometimes that message would burn in the hearts of the people who would hear it as well so that they would respond and they would turn to God. So here's what happened. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and and, you know, it was all the disciples that were there, but the reason each one received the Holy Spirit was because each one was saved. Each one had put their faith and trust in Jesus. Think about this. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that God dwelt in the tabernacle, which was like the first portable church. And then they built the temple in Jerusalem, and that's where God's Spirit dwelt. But now Jesus says that God's Holy Spirit dwells and lives in you and me. And that is still true today. Every single believer is to be filled with God's Spirit, and um, we don't need to ignore the Spirit. We need to recognize His presence in our lives. Um, but when they were filled, then they received 
uh, spiritual gifts. They received a spiritual gift from God, and every believer has a spiritual gift, at least one, uh, including including you. If you know Jesus, you have a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts, and the purpose of your gift is to carry out the mission and the work of Jesus through the church. And what did the disciples do at this moment? The disciples, they started speaking in other languages. Okay, it says they were speaking in other languages. Why? Because at Pentecost, at this feast, this celebration, people were gathered there from all over who had come together in one place. And so they spoke different languages. And the disciples were able to supernaturally and miraculously share the good news with each one of them in the language that they spoke. This was God's way of like supercharging the mission of the church so that the message would spread so quickly. And there was a miracle associated with it. So the people who heard it, they knew these disciples, they didn't naturally speak those languages. And that was um, that was for the purpose of evangelism, for reaching people. But also it was a way to spread the message so quickly uh, to as many people as possible to start the church. Can you imagine how those disciples felt when they realized that the risen Lord Jesus, who who had ascended to heaven, now he had come to them personally and was living in their life. Jesus had promised that he would send his Holy Spirit, and he always keeps his promises. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, they were filled with uh, with his compassion, Jesus, with Jesus' love for the world, and his passion and his courage to go and tell everyone about Jesus. That is what happened that day at Pentecost. And it, and so the question is, you know, as I said earlier, I said that if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. But my question to you today for you to think about and pray about is, does God's Holy Spirit have all of you? Does he have all of your heart, all of your mind, um, all of your um, abilities that you would use them for his purpose today? Does he have your tongue so that the words that you say today and the words that you speak today are going to be words that are um, encouraging, that are going to be words that are true, that are going to be words that are loving, and that are going to be words that lead people to know Jesus and to be closer to Jesus? Great question for us to consider as we land on that today. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, and I want to pray with you before we go. I hope you have an incredible day. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, God, to live in us, to empower us, and to, to dwell in our lives, God. We pray that as your Holy Spirit is is in our hearts and our lives, one, that we'll be um, recognizing your spirit in our lives. God, that we recognize your spirit's power. God, that we're not alone. God, that you're with us. God, that because uh, you live in our lives, that means that we need to be um, obedient to you. We need to be holy before you. And God, that you would use us as you empower us, that we recognize the gifts. And we're in a process of discovering the gifts that you've given us. And we don't keep them to ourselves. But God, we use them for your purpose and for your mission. God, we thank you so much. We're trusting in you today, and uh, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed day and stay warm. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. <music>